Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to News You Can Use, a Pennsylvania stands-up podcast about Pennsylvania, people, power, and politics. I'm your host, Pele Ergang Layden. I use he, him, and I am back after a few weeks hiatus. Glad to be back with all the peas. We're here. We're ready. And uh, today we are joined by a couple of members of Pennsylvania Stands Up. So glad to have them here. And we're going to be talking about our experiences at the People's Action and National Convention. Last week, a group of us went to Arlington, Virginia to go to a national convention with about a thousand people from across the country. We took the train down. We went to the cafe car. It was really exciting. You're going to hear all about it. But first, as is tradition here, um, I'm joined by our Director of Narrative and Communications, Dr. Ashley Strange. Dr. Strange, how are you doing today? I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, the, the 4th of July uh, was, was a nice way to kind of uh, uh, have a, a nice dinner to the soundtrack of what I'm sure the apocalypse will sound like. Uh, so... <laughs> My neighborhood was was not literally ablaze, but uh, the sky was certainly ablaze. I don't know how it was for you in Philly. Yeah, I, I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, it's hot and I'm tired and almost, can we just uh, have something else, please? And, and you know what I did? I woke up and I had a notification on my phone that was a link to a copy of the Declaration of Independence. And I thought, that would be kind of a thing to read the Declaration of Independence when I woke up on the 4th of July. And I read it and you know what? It's a lot of fetching. It's a lot of like, oh my gosh, I'm so upset about this king. And it's like a list of grievances of all of these things we didn't do. So we're not going to pay taxes. We want to settle on our own, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, you know, Declaration of Independence, kind of like a laundry list of complaints, which, uh, I don't really have any meaning to make of that, except for I have my own laundry list of complaints and I don't have a national holiday about it. I mean, I have, I have a laundry list of laundry uh, that, that didn't get done, but I, I don't think I need a texted copy of the Declaration of Independence because I was a schoolhouse rock kid, so I can say the whole preamble uh, off the top of my head in my sleep. Do it. Let's hear it. We the people. Oh wait, did you want the song? Or <laughs> I'm pretty sure the found. I'm pretty sure the founding the founding fathers did sing it. So if you could sing it, yes, yes. I mean, they were wearing the wigs, the high heels, you know, all of the the face paint. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to some of us, but not our slaves. And we do ordain and establish this constitution for uh, two fifths of the United States of America. Great job. Great job. <laughs> not only was that written in red without air conditioning, but as you said, you know, probably about 80 to 90% of the people in that room who were calling for equality for all people owned other people, owned slaves. So those fools. Yes. As someone who owns a cat, I, I really feel an affinity to, to our founding fathers uh, when it comes to ownership. I'm a little worried about the conditions of your cat, uh, but, but, but we're going to move fine. on. She's fine. <laughs> no, um, actually, I learned uh, the other day that the Declaration of Independence was read uh, three times out loud in town squares and Easton, Pennsylvania uh, was one of the places that it was read. Um, and they recreate that all the time because when you get put on the map for one thing, you, you just got to keep showing up. Uh, but it was hot uh, this weekend. In fact, it was the hottest day that the world has ever known. I am literally not joking. June, no, July 3rd was the hottest day of on world record. Hot girl summer. I mean, it is, it is like too hot. Like I am uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, we are too hot to handle. Don't touch me. <laughs> Hands off. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's hot. It's hot. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a little uncomfortable. 
And I mean that there are things that can be done, like, you know, mayors can, can you know, uh, make swimming pools open and available, like outdoor pools. Um, you know, I know that in Reading, they were opening up fire hydrants and things like that. Like there are things that folks uh, at people in power can do to kind of alleviate the heat. But honestly, like the, the thing that's going to matter the most is, uh, oh, who is it? Oh, just all of the rich and powerful. <laughs> Like all of the corporations, all of the people that are are uh, spending billions of dollars and uh, in making sure that our air quality stays a choice smoky uh, substance, uh, th those are the folks that that really need to kind of get on their game because it's it's not going to get cooler from here, and uh, my armpits are are not going to stand for this. I think it was last week where it was like eighty five degrees. But then they were also like, don't turn on your air conditioners because the air quality outside is really bad. You don't want any of that air coming inside. And I just, we're not ready. We're not ready. We're not ready. But, you know, in a way, uh, as someone who who watches a lot of sci-fi, um, I feel prepared. Um, I've got I've got my gas masks. Uh, and uh, that's how I'm going to protect myself from the billionaires that are ruining everything. I bought this headband that you can fill up with ice cubes and they get like has like a place to hold them. So I'll be I'm good for like the first 10 minutes after that. Having having never seen you without that hat on uh, and for people listening uh, and not watching uh, it is what do you what do you call that thing? It is a, not a headband. It, it is a newsy cap. Yes, the official term is uh, is Alan Menken's newsy cap, uh, and I think that filling that thing with ice cubes might might be the next step to to stay in cool. Um, billionaires were were really at it uh, this summer. They weren't just making sure that we stayed hot; they were uh, making sure that the Supreme Court, uh, you know, kept us all in place, <laughs> which was very exciting. Yeah, and the billionaires have been at work for a long time. And they're they're personally paid for to cream supreme supreme port justices supreme court justices. Uh, I would I I like a port. I would I would probably have like a, a supreme port <laughs> ice cream. Yeah, a little side of mango. It's 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 nice. It's nice. Um, listen, we are seeing the effects of thirty years of billionaires giving money to their friends, and now we have a supreme court that basically just does their bidding. I I would love to have friends that are billionaires. <laughs> it's it's part of the thing. I'm not a capitalist. I just live in capitalism. And boy, howdy, wouldn't I love to have very rich friends to to do what I want? But uh, specifically when when they uh, I I had only read about two of of their rulings. One on the the hypothetical case of a woman who might want to make a website for someone who's for a gay couple who may or may not exist. Um, and they said that, you know, she would be allowed to uh, reject, um, uh, reject someone based on uh, her beliefs uh, and uh, determine whether or not that constitutes as free speech. Um, and then uh, I also got a notification earlier in the day that they had ruled on student loans. They were like, no, nah, student loans, uh, remember how y'all were hyped <laughs> to get those paid off? Uh, no, no, not going to happen. Uh, and then I went about my day, went to a, a pride flag raising where I had not yet heard uh, about uh, the third one, which was um, uh, the what was it? Uh, admissions. Uh, oh, it's two A's. It's killing me. Affirmative action. A, the other AA that we love to sit through. Affirmative action. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we have plenty of affirmative action here on the podcast. Uh, although there's not a lot of diversity here because everyone on the podcast today is wearing uh, rectangle glasses. So I think that, you know, we might have to, we might have to look into our, our vetting a little more closely. Yeah, I, I I'm all for glasses hegemony on the podcast. I um I I heard about um the Supreme Court case about the the woman who wanted to deny her website making skills to to queer couples that want to get married. And um something I saw is someone posted some links showing just some of the pictures on her website. And I'll just say like graphic design might be her passion. But maybe shouldn't be her profession. 
because those were some really ugly wedding websites. Like really, really ugly. Like I could probably make something better using Microsoft Paint on Windows ninety five. Um, and but so, also, you just got married. Did you need a wedding website? Uh, I just got married, and no, we you don't. It turns out, it turns out, unless you're doing like your your wedding like on Twitch, or you know, you don't really need a wedding website. People, you know, just text them the address, and it'll be fine. And and the idea is that whether or not people need a wedding website, like we need without having to go through like our straight intermediaries, like we need like the options to obtain goods and services, um, you know, without uh, someone denying us based on who we love or, or how gay we look. So it was, it was a real disappointing time uh, followed up by a, a very loud and booming 4th of July. Uh, and all we have uh, left to sit on is, is really schoolhouse rock. Yeah, I mean, jo- jokes aside, I think it's important that folks see what's happening here, which is, you know, over the last 40 years, our movement has won a lot of victories to make America a place that might actually be safe for all of us. Um, you know, civil rights wins, wins for women's rights, LGBTQ rights. And the mission of the current Supreme Court and the right-wing billionaires is to undo that progress, right? When they say make America great again, they mean go back to the 1940s and 50s before we had rights. Um, and it is it is both dire and alarming and sad. Um, but you know what? We're going to fuck these billionaires up. They're going to try. And Physically. I just, oh, wait, uh, no, 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 no. Non, non-violently. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> And I just want to talk about one billionaire who got totally fucked this uh, this week. Uh, his name is Jeff Yes. We've mm-hmm. talked about him a little bit. He is our least favorite Jeff. Um, enemy of the pod, yeah, Jeff Yes. True enemy of the pod, Jeffrey Yes. So uh, Jeffrey Yes has been working for a couple of years now to get the Pennsylvania state government to divest from public education and to give that money over to private schools. Uh, he's been working on it. He he branded it. He called it the Lifeline Scholarship. It would divert $100 million from public education to private schools. And he's been working on this for years. He even cut a deal with the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro. When Josh Shapiro was running for office, Jeff Yass said, we'll take down our attack ads against you if you support the Lifeline Scholarship, if you support the privatization of schools. So sure enough, Josh Shapiro gets elected. And what do we see? His first budget, his signature issue that he is fighting for is the Lifeline Scholarship, right? His privatization of schools with the Republicans. It was Shapiro and the Republicans versus the Democrats. And Jeff Yass thought he had this in the bank. They were, they were already talking about it like it was done. And because of the organizing of our movement, people making phone calls, having rallies, and the organizing inside of reps like Elizabeth Fiedler, Rick Krajewski, and other members of the Progressive Caucus, they actually just blocked that bill. Shapiro just had to put out a statement saying, oh, we're not going to do the Lifeline Scholarship thing. Uh, you know, I, We're not going to get that done. We're going to take it out. And so a billionaire and a governor colluded over here to make this thing happen to take $100 million out of public education. And he lost because we, you know, regular working people and the people that we elected organized, we held the line, we did not cave in. And now Jeff Yass is looking like a loser, y'all. Jeff Yass is looking like a loser and he is a loser. If you're listening to this, just like go to, go to your social media or just walk outside. And, and if you see someone be like, hey, you know Jeff Yass, they'll be like, no. And you'll be like, he's a loser. That's that's the message that we want to spread. Okay, that's what that's, that's, that's our canvassing plan is just to go door to door telling people that Jeff Yass is a loser, which is what we did last summer, and yeah, it's it, part of what led to led to this happening. We did not specifically tell people that Jeff Yass was a loser, but we let people know who he is and what he's doing, and they said that they didn't like it. Eighty some eighty some percent of people that we knocked on the doors of said, "Oh, we we do not like this." Yeah. These billionaires who think that they can control our lives when they look like fools, when they lose, listen, we got to kick them when they're down, metaphorically. So, you know, Jeffrey Yass, you suck. Shah Shapiro, you also kind of suck. But we're all right because the people got this one. <laughs>
we're going to win. With with Dems like these, who needs enemies? <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, Ash. Well, you know, as always, it's been a pleasure. I really missed you being being out for the last few weeks. And, and I, I appreciate you holding it down. Your your episodes were really awesome. Folks haven't heard. You should go back and listen to the last two episodes. A lot of talk about orca whale organizing, among other things. So thank you, Ash, for your support. It, it was a crime that we did not say orca-nizing, uh, oh. as, as I believe was the feedback we got on that last episode. Yeah, next time, next time. All right, so goodbye, Dr. Strange. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. Moving on to our next part of the show. So as I said at the top, we are joined by some members of Pennsylvania Stands Up today. And I'm so happy to have you here. We have Dom from NEPA Stands Up, and we have Matt Lowe from Lehigh Valley Stands Up. Dom uh, is a local leader on the uh, NEPA comms team, and Matt is a local leader on the electoral team. So I'm going to uh, just just ask each of you, Matt, how are you doing today? Where are you calling in from? I'm doing great. You know, I'm just calling out here from Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, and uh uh, just just in my basement right now. Uh, that's where that's where the router is. You know, you just got that connection going. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Dom? Where are you calling in from? How are you doing today? Not bad. I'm calling in from the good old Electric City, Scram, PA. You know, hoping you'd be a little bit more electrified with, uh, you know, some trains. <laughs> yes. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Um, so we all took the train down together. I, I, I remember seeing both of you at 30th Street Station. In the beginning of that time, we were just bright eyed. We didn't know exactly what we were getting into, but we knew that we were going to Arlington, Virginia to go to this People's Action Convention. So... Matt, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell us at first just a little bit about why you got involved in Lehigh Valley Stands Up and why you decided to go to the People's Action Convention? Oh, uh, yeah. So um, uh, when I first got started, you know, uh, I came back from college and I wanted to get involved in local politics. It's something I was telling myself during the pandemic. It's like, I got to go do something um, and and get involved in that way. And uh, I jumped around a couple different organizations and PA stands up. I just felt like I, I got a home there. Um, I worked with them for a little while. Um, I helped with the, uh, I worked on the uh, Help Not Handcuffs initiative. And um, eventually I also just got invited to uh, to chair the electoral team for uh, Lehigh Valley stands up and doing a lot of work there. And uh, I just wanted to learn how to organize better. You know, I wanted to see what everyone else was working on, the rest of the progressives around the country, what they were working on, and see if there was any opportunities to uh, uh, cross-collaborate. Awesome. Awesome. And, and Dom, what about you? How did you get involved, and, and why did you come to the convention? Um, well, I got involved with NEPA Stands Up um, because I was talking to Celine Shire. She's uh, another member of the organization of PA Stands Up. Um, out of Berks County, and she was telling me about how active um, a lot of the chapters are in, um, like the local governments and stuff like that, helping with community and building, um, canvassing, and you know that interests me. So I'm like, you know, what, let me see if I get involved. Um, and then she mentioned Holly, and you know, from there I just joined in the effort to try to help push Scranton in the the right direction almost or like try to make a dent or you know or a little little push and um holly told me about the convention and you know i figured that would be a great way to connect with other people and see what's working for them and what i could bring back to uh, to my city um and you know help push that along so here i am Great. And we're going to dive into the convention for in a second, but I actually want to just go back because you both just talked about, you know, how you got involved and Matt, you're involved with the uh, electoral team in, in the Lehigh Valley. Um, like what, what values inform your work? What do you, what do you want to see in the Lehigh Valley and, and, and maybe achieve through your, your electoral work? Oh yeah. Uh, I definitely want to see just people who care more about the community in office. Um, a lot of our city councilmen, a lot of the uh, um, lawmakers in the area, they're kind of very heavy, hell-bent on um, uh, developers and development. We have this project called the NIS. It's a big project that's backed by the Lehigh County, uh, the city council, and the, the state of Pennsylvania. It's a big deal. Uh, it's been gentrifying the neighborhood, pushing people out. Um, 
and you just don't see anything back from it. Like we dump all of this money into it and had all these investments and I just don't feel the value return back to the community. And it just seems like the problems are just so simple. Um, maybe I'm oversimplifying them, but you know, I'd like to see more affordable housing. You know, the biggest problem is, I mean, everything is just kind of rooted to that. Like one of the biggest problems in Allentown that people are concerned about is crime and safety, you know, um, doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's largely because of socioeconomic conditions, um, more affordable housing, uh, downward pressure on the rent market, or forces prices down or improves their quality. And yeah, I, I guess that's the, uh, the big one. I just want to see people who actually care about the community and, are, and actually understand what they need. And rather than trying to attract, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, basically just uh, Try, instead of like trying to reimagine the community rather than meeting it where it is and, and improving it. That sounds yeah. like a lot like Scranton right now. I was about to ask Dom, I feel like we talked about this a little yeah. bit on the subway. So, so yeah, what's, what's going on in Scranton? And, and, so yeah. Scranton is in, I don't know, Scranton is in a weird spot. Um, I'm going to lift it up just to like Scranton and like the greater Scranton area, some of the towns and stuff around. But um, we're in a weird spot where we have um, new things coming in. But unfortunately, it's pushing, uh, much like it sounds like with Allentown, it's pushing a lot of people out. Um, it's definitely justification. And it's coming in fast, like really, really fast. Um, we also have a lot of slumlords. Uh, we don't have that, like we have homeless people, but they're not as prevalent as like other groups. Um, we just have a lot of people in these beaten and worn down um, houses with landlords who are just renting out rooms, but not using that money to um fix the accommodations in those places they're just kind of letting the houses run itself down to the ground um which proves you know safety issues and stuff like that for you know the people who are living there and everything else um so that's a huge huge issue that and the education and job market in scranton is questionable it's it's not great at all um the people are friendly for the most part but you know everybody's just struggling and i feel like the situation doesn't need to be as bad as it is. Um, it's just putting money where nobody should be going um, and holding the right people accountable. Yeah, something we always know, Some if things things as bad as they are, somebody's probably getting rich off of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, the thing that just happened here of Matt, of you talking about what's going on in Allentown and Dom saying, that's that sounds like what's going on in Scranton. That is the whole reason why Pennsylvania Stands Up exists, because our issues that we're fighting for in, in our small towns, rural communities, uh, small cities across Pennsylvania, a lot of them are connected. And in fact, a lot of times it's the same people that are making money or colluding across counties to, to do these things that, that impact our communities and that keep us, you know, Matt, it is simple, like a place to live, food to eat. You know, it's like we're not asking for that much, um, but someone's making a profit off of keeping us from having those things. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I just wanted to clarify too, it's just like in Allentown, uh, I guess uh, just to summarize it, it feels like they're building an economy for a demographic that doesn't exist. Like they're, they're trying to get very high, they're trying to make a high spender economy to spruce up uh, the, the area, but the average household income is like in the $40,000 range. And I, I think it's a lot lower when you narrow it down to just the inner city. Like that's just where the West End part is. And they all go to, to Whitehall or, or Bethlehem where they want to have a good time. And it's just like, they're trying to attract all these high, they're trying to attract high spenders in the community at the expense of the people already living here. And it's just, uh, it's just very frustrating. And it's very risky too. <laughs> to It's just like, you're betting on like a handful of like high spenders. There's like 10% of them in this country. It's just like, oh, Allentown's going to be the one to get them all. It's just like, good luck. All right. <laughs> Yeah, it's very risky and and is de- is ultimately ultimately a detriment to my, to our neighborhoods, you know. And the thing, the thing that I always think about with this is that these folks have like a five year, ten year, maybe forty year plan, right? They're making their investments because they're thinking about what's the neighborhood going to look like in twenty years if we do this, and how can we make a profit off of that? Which I think is a good segue into the convention because. At the People's Action Convention, and just to give a little bit of a primer about what this is, People's Action is a national organization that has affiliates across, I believe, 26 states in, in the country, maybe maybe more, maybe, maybe less. And um, Pennsylvania Stands Up is one of those affiliates in Pennsylvania. And so this convention, it was the first time they held one 
uh, since 2018. You know, something happened in 2020 that that kind of changed things for a little bit. But but you know, 2023, bringing it back. We had this convention, and over a thousand people came from all across the country to this convention. You know, we were there. There were people from Minnesota. There were people from North Carolina. There were people from Kentucky, from Michigan, really all over the country. And we were coming together to talk about this thing that People's Action has been calling the Power Plan, right? And it's the it's the idea that. Uh, we need a long-term agenda for our movement, right? The, the the other side, our opponents, the billionaires and their friends have been enacting a 40, 50, 60-year plan that they started back in the 1970s, right? In, in response to the wins of the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, et cetera, they started this plan to undo all of these things. And it was a 40, 50-year plan that we are seeing come to fruition right now with the Supreme Court and the 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 um, the Republican Party and what has happened with it, and the corporate Democrats and what has happened to them, and so you know, People's Action brought people together to to proclaim together that we are going to have we have our own forty year long term agenda, and we have a ten year plan to start to get us there, right? Really pushing people to think about the long view, not just the next election, not just you know what's coming right around the corner. But but what do we want to win long term? Which I know for me is always a big challenge, and it was really inspiring to be at this convention with all these people thinking about this big idea of not just what's happening next year, but what's happening in ten years. So I want to ask each of you, and Dom, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, what were your overall impressions of the convention, and and how did it feel to be with all of these people from across the country? Um, I'll be honest, in the be- very beginning, um, I was cautious and nervous because i wasn't sure what you know what the feel with the vibes were going to be for the convention um when we went to i think it was the first plenary yeah i think it was the first plenary um when they were talking about their ideas and how they want to enact everything and you know riling everybody up and you know getting them excited to um to take these lessons and start you know learning uh, when we broke up into sessions um it was inspiring, I think would be the right word to use. Um, a lot of people seem to be struggling, um, like what Matt and I, between Scranton and Allentown, with the same issues. But those issues went beyond that. You know, they went all the way down to, I think we had people from North or South, South Carolina, Virginia, uh, California, New York, Jersey. Um, and a lot of them were dealing with the same issues where it is um, elected officials who will sometimes run on ideas that will support people and then turn around and just do something completely different um, just to make profits um, on both sides of the political spectrum, Republicans and Democrats. Um, but seeing how of a collective we actually are, like, you know, we're all, we might be in different parts of the United States, but we're all sharing similar um, experience. Um, so we're all, I feel like we're all fighting for the same thing and that's just, you know, fair and just treatment. Um, for the majority of Americans and not just that 1%. Um, so I thought that was very inspiring. And, you know, I'm just kind of happy to leave there with, you know, a different mindset almost. Awesome. I'm going to ask you about that mindset in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt, what what about you? Overall impressions and, and how did it feel to be with, you know, a thousand people from across the country? Oh, it was great. It was it was uh, like very refreshing and, uh, and inspiring really because it's just – you know, um, I'm involved with, uh, like, you know, uh, Democratic Party and just to see, like, the interest that I care about, like, like material, like, gains for, for the working class and the people, it just doesn't necessarily align with the, the rest of the party. And uh, I've gone to the conventions that they host, too. And it's just, um, it's it, it's nothing like this. It was just, like, I like you actually learned something here. You actually got to meet people who are like like-minded with you. I like I let my guard down like the second I got there. There was I, I forget who uh his his name but uh we, we had a great conversation with someone about what they were doing in Minnesota and um it's just it's just very inspiring to see that there's other people working on this. You know, you just feel like like kind of like a like a minority like like a, alone working on uh on these these um these these uh what what do you say like a uh, Per, uh, per progressive policies you just feel like you're kind of um all alone on that fight and it's just nice to see that there's 
people all across the country in like deep red states, deep blue states, everywhere uh, that are like fighting to get something done, and that they they, they were able to tread across across the entire country, uh, all as far as Arizona, uh, as far as Oregon, uh, to to learn how to organize better and to to keep the fight going. Yeah, the energy in that room is it's so it's hard to describe it. The 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 only other experience I really have had that that felt like that room felt were like, you know, just to give a sense of what's happening, you have like 10 people representing 10 different organizations in the front of the room and they come up to the microphone and they're like, last year, our organization won $350 million for, for, for housing or something like that. And then all, you know, thousand people start cheering, start chanting. And then we go to the next person who's from another state who has also won. And it's just this energy that just builds and builds and builds where like, I'm not the type of person that, that gets overly involved in, in these types of events, but I found myself like being lifted to my feet and, and clapping and yelling in a way that I've only ever experienced when I was a guest at a good black church, at a black church that had a pastor that knew how to move the room to their feet just with their words. Like I, it's really the only other time I felt like that this sort of spiritual um, togetherness and power that happens when people that really care about the work that really care about humanity come together. It, it, the energy was, was, something I haven't experienced in a really long time. Um, So, you know, the way that this worked was uh, there were these big plenary sessions, which I learned plenary is literally means like all of or everyone at the thing. So these big plenaries where everyone would be there, everyone would get hyped up. And then the rest of the convention, or at least most of it was, was workshops. It was, you know, lots and lots of different workshops. So I want to ask each of you, Matt, I'll start with you. Um, Was there a workshop that you went to, a training that you went to that you thought was particularly interesting or useful for your work back home in Allentown? Uh, Yeah. So the one that I remember the the most that was pretty, pretty interesting was uh, the youth organizing one. I forget the exact title of it, but uh, that was the second round of workshops. It was also cool that um, they all had slide decks and you could like the ones that you couldn't go to, you could just download them. And I haven't reviewed them all yet, but you know, I'm going to work on that later. But for the youth organizing one, that was really interesting because um, I just feel it like as, as I've transitioned from like youth to adulthood and whatnot, that like, you know, the youths really do have a lot more at stake. Um, they can, they can see these things long-term, like, you know, they see the immediate crisis of like, uh, like climate change and like rising cost of healthcare, but they also see the long-term issues because they're just like i mean they recognize they realize they're going to be adults someday or uh, and like seniors someday and they'll be in there um, so bad what was that they'll be in there a lot too oh yeah yeah and um it was just uh it was interesting to see like what they were talking about it, was, it wasn't so much like trying to engage them and organize them that's like kind of what i hear everywhere else is just like how do you engage these young people how do you get them to like come out for things it's no no it's like you you have to empower these young people it, it's not about organizing them uh, necessarily behind like like the issues that you care about. It's about empowering them so that way they can organize themselves and you can like find uh, coalitions uh, that you can like see eye to eye on and work together on. Um, it's just like these these kids, they have energy and they, they realize the world's falling apart around them and they just don't know what to do about it. They don't know how to do anything about it. So um, the workshop was talking about how like, you know, how they empower children, like, you know, just like just basic things, like just teaching them independence, like how to cook for themselves is like a good step to like give them um, some level, just so, just so they feel competent enough to to organize and to like realize that there's um, that they can do something. Yeah, about about five years ago, I worked for a uh, a youth t- voter turnout organization. I'll I'll leave them unnamed, but I'll just say that uh, Tom Steyer was very involved with them, and <laughs> um, and their theory was that the way to get youth involved was to spend money on um, ice cream trucks on campus, right? If you gave out enough T-shirts. Um, then maybe the youth would get involved. And turns out they were not correct. That was not the most prophetic way to organize, most effective way to organize young people. Alas, um, but I, I that that sounds really awesome. Dom, what about you? Was there was there a training, a session that you went to that that uh, you're you're still thinking about? Um. So I, when I was picking my sessions, I kind of themed everything together. Um. So I kind of put it together. So the first one I went to was about like. Um, like rural um, settings and how to engage with, you know, or whether you're canvassing or communicating out with um, in rural parts of the United States. Um, my second one was with education. Um, 
and stuff like that. So kind of put those lessons together. And it was, you know, living out in, you know, the boonies and uh, NEPA. There's a lot of rural um, spots and stuff like that. And um, a lot of, so what I got from the first one was just a lot of people, most people want progressive policies. Um, the catch though with that is um, phrasing, um, how it comes across. Um, and a lot of that ends up being manipulated and stuff like that from both parties, from the Republican Party especially. Um, we're creating that fear and pushing people aside. So um, when you're canvassing and stuff like that, we got to make sure that you're explaining everything in a way that's not um, neither demonizing or patronizing. Um, you know, you got to like, you know, kind of play into them, you know, or guide them into understanding, um, you know, where they lie and why they feel and think the way they think. Um, and I thought that was really important. Um, and then when it comes to um, education stuff like that, that it's a lot of that is putting pressure on your local people to um, hold the people we elect into like school boards and stuff like that responsible. Because um, we see a lot of stuff like that in the news about like uh, the critical race theory and transgenders and LGBTQ um, issues that parents think are being forced upon their children, but it's really not. Um, like it's like making up these scenarios and stuff like that, and um, it's making it almost unsafe, and it's pushing like you guys were talking about in the opening, um, pushing for privatized education uh, by putting those fears and stuff like that. Like we're teaching kids to be um, gay and stuff like that, which I mean, it doesn't matter if you know if your kid is or isn't. Um, that's just I don't know. This creating fake issues. Um, so being able to put those two lessons together on holding people accountable and putting pressure on our local, local officials, especially in a rural area like Pennsylvania, um, is super important. Um, so that was something. Yeah. All, all the stuff you're saying about, about language and framing it, it, uh, spoken like a true comms leader. And as I said, the top Dom is, is the lead of the NEPA stands up comms group. And, and yeah, you know, the thing that, um, I think we need to find, some amount of compassion for is these kids are these parents who think that, you know, because they've been inundated with this false information, think that like these things are happening that are, that they're like teaching kids to be gay and to have a moment with the, these parents of like, no, your kids are gay. Like they, it, you just, you just have to have to love them as they are. Um, and that, you know, that there's a lot of, um, messaging on 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 the republican side and then some milk toast messaging on the democratic side that that you know makes a lot of people unsafe ultimately um so so we had all of these trainings and then on on the last day of the convention we took action right we we did a direct action in dc and then we went and then we lobbied our legislators and i know that both of you met with the offices of Senator Fetter, John Fetterman and yeah. Bob Casey. And uh, Dom, I'm going to let you start because you seem ready. Yeah, um, that was... <laughs> t- tell, us, tell us about that. Tell us about that day and, and, and you know, about those lobby meetings with, with Casey and Fetterman. I'm not going to lie. The, I love the, the convention portion of the hotel and stuff like that, but I think lobbying was probably my favorite part, personally, um, because it was, like, in your face, you know, like let's go. We, we went in to, you know, into their offices and stuff like that. And we actually had like open dialogue. And I like that. I like that so much. It was cool because um, you can't really hide and you can't really ignore someone who's in your face. You know what I mean? Like you could try, you could try, but we had, we went in like, you know, I think it was like 14 of us went in there deep and we just round table discussion and it was very well organized. Um, and it, I, I liked it a lot. And I think we made progress um, talking to Senator Casey's, um, I can't remember what her name was, but it was, she was in charge. Like, I think it was her, that housing and development, I believe, Matt, you could 
um, just double checking was, on that one. I believe her name was Jennifer. Um, I forget her last name. I can't remember. But um, yeah, she's like chief of housing policy or something to yeah. that and title. She, something like that. And she gave us a lot of insight on, you know, what their thinking is and like what they're doing and stuff like that. And knowing that they, between Senator Casey and Senator Fetterman, that they're actually having dialogue with each other and actually talking about um, a plan of action and stuff like that was reassuring. But it's also our responsibility to ensure that we're following up with our senators and representatives, both local and federally, um, that they're actually enacting and making progress on, on these fronts. So going there to make sure that they're holding accountable was really nice because at the end of the day, they work for us. You know, they wouldn't be in those offices if it wasn't for us voting. And I think we need to put that that mindset um, back into the people because there's too many times where people are like, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or this and that. But it's like you're a person and we're picking people that represent us. Um, so we need to put that power back in our hands and show the people that this is the power that we actually have and that these officials are to be held accountable by the people of the United States and what the counties and stuff like that. Um, so going up there and talking to these um, staffers and stuff like that was refreshing and it was great. And I really do wish that more people, most people would be willing to go up to their mayors or the you know, local representatives and stuff like that and actually have that dialogue um, and, you know, and just hold on to that power that they have that they don't know they have. Dom, you said it was a, said it was a very well-organized meeting and I, I, I would have to point out that our, our other guest, Matt, was one of the key organizers of that meeting. Yes, and he Matt, was. Matt, I want to yes. ask you, from your perspective as the person who had a vision for what these meetings would look like, um, how did they go and how are you feeling about our two Democratic senators after those meetings. Uh, I walked into there absolutely mortified because I'm just like, oh my God, I gotta, I'm got going to be talking to some, some, some very powerful people. I'm in, in the belly of the beast right now and uh, just just terrified. So uh, thankfully, I was told that we we're told ahead of time. So we were working on, um, uh, what was it, a whole home repair and the, uh, the tenant bill of rights were like the two big ones that we went in there for. And... Um, uh, we were told that Fetterman's office was uh, the most favorable towards us. So we met with their their staffers um, for both offices. The, the actual senators were on recess. So we get we get in there. And uh, the, so uh, Tomas was the chair for the first meeting. And then I was going to be the chair for Bob Casey. And uh, we, we sit down. We, 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 uh, we talk to uh, uh, the staffer for uh, uh, Fetterman's office. And... Uh, everyone's like gives their testimonies. Everyone's saying all this stuff, and uh, it, it we got a little bit. Of, I was a little nervous because we got a little, like just a little bit of pushback. It was basically just like, it wasn't like real pushback. Just like oh, so I'm not the uh, the staffer that's working on ho- housing policy, so I can't speak about it too much. But um, it's definitely something in the pipeline that we're working on. Uh, the biggest concern is like how we're going to promote this in, into the. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be giving too many details, but but basically, uh, just like how we're going to sell this to the uh, the rest of the Senate, you know, they're going to like we just had this big budgetary fight. The biggest thing they're going to be asking is how we're going to pay for it, got it, uh, so on and so forth. And then thankfully, Celine jumps in and has something uh, put there. But I'm just racking my brains, like, oh geez, we're going to have to figure out how to justify this. And uh, we 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 step out of the meeting. We're, we're done. We shake hands. It was productive. We 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 got our points across. She took tons of notes, and um, it's going to pass it along to the chief of of a uh, staff for for housing and uh i i, I pull everyone, uh pull maria aside and, and everyone else there just like oh so should we just like figure out something to say about like uh how we're going to justify like how we're going to pay for this or whatever like we're, we're, it was nice because we had like a a brief respite to uh coordinate and um rediscuss uh like certain points like like what went well in the federal meeting what we need to do better for when we talked about Casey's office and uh got some some prep some stuff prepped we walk in there and just like, oh yeah, so the the whole ho- 
home repair thing, but we were really impressed with Pennsylvania, uh, with PA stands up and what they did there. We're going to work on, uh, we, we have a bill in the pipeline. Fetterman's leading it right now. Uh, and he's like talking about all the points in there and just like, basically it's like happening. I'm just like, Oh wow. It, this, this is, this is just re- leading itself. And I'm just like, do we have to go into testimonies? It's like, no, <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Uh, it's like, and we're also working on, it wasn't a land trust. It was like a, it was a, a uh, it was like a bank, a uh, land bank. It was a land, land bank, bank where they, it's basically similar to the downtown land trust where basically they're going to like buy up dilapidated properties, abandoned properties and renovate them and then sell them back uh, at cost for, they, they mentioned affordable housing. We didn't, and uh, we clarified that that's what we were, were hoping for is like, like uh, affordable housing and um, uh, projects like that. And they're just like, yeah, of course, that's, that's kind of what we're targeting. And it was, it was a great conversation, actually. It was very, I was, I was very happy because I was the, I was the meeting chair. So it, uh, it, it kind of just ran itself. And I'm just like, thank God. Uh, just like, I, I don't know how I'm going to lead this thing. Uh, I, I, I didn't think after Tomas's um, uh, lead, lead on the other one where there was slightly more pushback. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to fight Bob Casey's office on this one? It's like, oh no, it, it, yes, this is, this is happening inevitably. And it's like, oh great. And, and it was really funny because we're having this great conversation and, and Dom was the, uh, the time, ke- the timekeeper. And like, I just keep looking at his phone, like seeing the time is like, I was told we have to be out by like, I think it was three fifteen because yeah. we have to make our train. We we have to be out by three fifteen on the dot. Three fifteen on the dot. It's like Matt, remember, like we don't have all the time in the world to do this. We have to leave at three fifteen. Yeah. It's like yeah, we have to make sure that there's time for a picture too. Like we have to be ready. Blah blah whatever. And then like last five like three minutes of the meeting, someone just like so you, uh, there were two staffers. So it was Jennifer and I think Ben was the other guy's name. And just like so you're chief of staff on like 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 train policy, right? Like could you, can we talk about? It? And I was like, oh my god, we have three minutes. What are you doing here? It's just. <laughs> But thankfully, we had a great conversation there, and uh, all this. Thankfully, Dom's alarm was actually on because yeah. I tried to end the meeting or like say like, "Hey, we got We got to like be ready to go." And people just talked over me and just just moved on. I'm just like, uh. <laughs> and then Dom's alarm siren. goes. Yeah, and I hear the siren. I'm just like, "Thank God, uh, okay, uh, we have to go. We have to get ready." I like hustled everyone to get a picture, and then we leave. And then we find out that there's a train station like, like in the middle of the other train station. So we didn't even have to like travel like like 20 minutes. That we were expected. It took us like five minutes to get there. I was like, "Oh God!" So, so now I'm the bad guy that was like rushing us out of there. But oh come on, it's, it, it's yeah. It sounds like it sounds like uh, you led a successful meeting, and and just how cool, you know, we were coming in after having passed the first in the nation whole home repairs legislation in Pennsylvania, yeah. and then come to meet with our two senators, and then to be like, "Yeah, we're we're going to take this thing federal." Is is really awesome and you know but matt huge kudos for for organizing leading those meetings i i i could hear how nervous you you were but it seems like they went really well so so yeah. so congratulations it was a so blast I, it was it was great with everyone else carried the weight honestly everyone was doing a good job like um discussing looking at you yeah. dom, looking no, at dom, dom, there. dom and i uh, dom and i are pointing back at matt because you know we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna share the love and credit but um all oh. right so so uh that's really awesome, and and now we're back, right? The, the the convention was over a week or two ago, um, and we're we're back in our on our home turfs, and um, you know, uh, I want to ask each of you, Matt. We'll start with you. Two questions: What are you bringing back to Lehigh Valley? Stands up. That's the first question, and then. You got to meet all these awesome people, you know. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking at you and Dom, and just being like, so cool that you got to meet. Um, what do you see for the future of Pennsylvania Stands Up in terms of working together across chapters to 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 do something big across the whole state? Okay, so uh, just I guess first thing that I bring him back, you know, uh, just everything that I learned on like how to organize young people, like I've, I've at least in locally in Allentown, our young people are struggling a lot. We have the worst school district in all of Lehigh County. Um, so I, I'd like to figure out how to reach out to them, teach them how to organize, teach them how to um, stand on their own two feet and give them the confidence they need to uh, to organize in general in their community for, for better conditions in their lives. Um, also, I'll have to review all the other notes that I took, but um, there was other ones on like how to, uh, how to base build and also just, uh, what, what was it? It was... Um, uh oh like work our own workshops like how like teaching our own members how to organize it's one thing to like organize our members behind a cause and be like hey we need you to do this we need help out with that it's another to be like this is like a work session on like what it means to organize and how to do it this is like 
the origins of the chapter and what we stand for. This is, um, what else? There, there's like, um, I, I took notes. They're, they're in my notebook, but yeah, that's, that's one of the big ones. And, um, I think that there's just, I mean, I think we were on top of like a cross chapter organizing with whole home repair. I just, just can't wait to see what comes next down the pipeline. Uh, my, my big dream is a public financing option for elections. I think money in politics is one of the big biggest problems, and I'd, I'd like to see that as the next one. Set it here first. Uh? As, 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 the, as the timekeeper for this podcast, I'll, I'll just point, you know, a few minutes left. We're not, we're not going to go into a whole new issue just, just right now. Oh, yeah, obviously. No, no. <laughs> but just but like... next time. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. That's awesome. Dom what, Dom, what about you? What are you bringing back, and, and uh, what do you think about PA Stands Up doing stuff together across chapters? Um, with PA, I'll start backwards, I guess. So with PA stands out doing stuff together, I think that's important. Um, too many, too often people complain about, um, the state of Pennsylvania. And I feel like us helping each other out, um, bridges that, that gap within our state. Um, so we could do like community endeavors and stuff like that to help, you know, bridge it, bring everything together. Um, with that said, with community involvement and stuff like that, um, Scranton um always claims to be a very boring place to live um i think when nepa stands up in particular we can um engage the community a lot better um i my my job that i work at currently i'm not gonna you know disclose too much of like you know my job itself um they pride us in doing community service and um charitable events so with everything i learned from the convention i plan on um using that as well as NEPA stands up to um help foster more of a community because uh, after going to like other countries and stuff like that and seeing how well the communities you know engage stuff like that i feel like that's something we should bring back um is that sense of belonging that sense of community and pride for where you live um almost like the pride that everybody shared at people's action with um all their accomplishments and their organizations and stuff like that um so I feel like we need that for Scranton in particular. And I think myself as the comms director um, will have the platform to really push for a lot of that stuff. And we're not talking anything like super crazy. It could be like a cookout um, one one day or it could be um, an art show. You know, something to kind of like bring people out of their houses, and, you know, get people to actually interact with each other. And then who knows, maybe in like 15, 20 years, maybe I could go be that mayor for Scranton. Oh, snap. You heard so, it here yeah. first. That's the, that's the second <laughs> time I've heard Dom offhandedly, maybe accidentally say that he's going to run for office. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going to wrap it up here. And I just want to say it was so awesome to go to the convention with both of you, um, to see you, both of you take leadership and then just, you know, coming back all fired up and, it was really, really fun to relive it and talk about it with both of you today. So thank you both for being here. And I'll see you when I come visit because, you know, I, I got to say Scranton, Allentown, they're my top four favorite places in Pennsylvania to visit. So oh, yeah. um, got a lot of bars. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Thank you, Matt and Dom for joining us today. That concludes our show for today. Please follow us, share this with your friends, share it with your enemies and be sure to come back because in two weeks, we're going to be talking with another member from Lancaster Stands Up about our training series over the summer. Exciting stuff. Um, until then, I'm your host, Pele Ergang Layden. And don't forget, Pennsylvania is for all of us. We'll see you in the streets. <laughs>